This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review She Hangs Brightly by Mazzy Starr. Really, when they're working fast to me, it's you're focusing on the vocal. They're not loose in a good way. They're loose in like they're stepping on each other's beats. She has a good voice, but she doesn't have the voice to pull that song off. I like this as background music. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me for episode 141... Of season three is my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are into the fall. I like to refer to the fall as anything after Labor Day. And yet today it was like 95 degrees. Yeah, weird sweaty. day. Very, very weird. weird day. It was lightning and thunder, but not raining. Yes. <laughs> super humid, super hot. And yes, we are nearing mid-September and this is going on. I think this was part of the movie The Core, where (laughs) we destabilized the the Earth's core to the point where it caused some sort of riff in the uh, ionosphere or or the uh, stratosphere. And there were lightning strikes throughout the planet. I think we might have destabilized the core, Jay. I don't. I don't know if that science is good, but I think that's what happened. So the only thing left to do now is make a vehicle that can actually go to the core. And, right? Yes. Distribute some weapon of some sort, I'm sure. We need Harvey Dent. We need uh, the, the, the Boys Don't Cry lady. Uh, we need um, uh, who else is in that movie? There's some other some other folks. You blow my mind that you got two people right. Yeah, Hilary Swank, Aaron Eckhart. I think Delroy Lind is in that movie. <laughs> I think uh, I think there might be a uh, oh I think there might be a DJ Qualls spot a uh, spot Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. That's the one I couldn't remember. Stanley but you Tucci. got DJ Qualls? Are you kidding me? I uh, I I was gonna say Tony Shalhoub because I often get Tony Shalhoub and and uh, Stanley Tucci. How mixed in up. the world do you know DJ Qualls? Because he's in uh, he's in um, the excellent film Hustle and Flow with uh, Terrence Howard. Hustle and Flow, of course, featuring the excellent single "It's Hard Out There for a Pimp," oh, which uh, I've, I've played many many times for my lady. Uh, speaking of my lady, <laughs> that's a terrible segue. Uh, we yeah. need to talk about um, one of the most, I think, one of the most interesting and unique female voices of the '90s, which is Hope Sandoval and the band that she was in, Mazzy Star, who have a new album out this September. It's called Seasons of Your Day, and it's the first album since uh, 1996 so it's been a while it's been what is that 17 years jay yeah about 17 years so we decided we should take a listen to some mazzy star and since we get to pick them i decided to not go with the obvious one which would be so tonight that i might see which had the big single fade into you i went with their debut album she hangs brightly now jay what was your 
level of familiarity with Mazzy Star? Was it just the single for Fade Into You, or did you actually listen to their whole albums? Just the single. Me too. Not going to lie. Not going to try to That's make it, it sound like I, uh, I knew what's going on, but I heard the single and I was content with that. Uh, never never bought any albums, never really got any deeper than that. So this is good. This is an education for both of us. And uh, why don't we just start out and, and do some history of the band here. History of the band. So Mazzy Star started as a band called Opal. Uh, Dave Roback on guitar, originally with Kendra Smith uh, in the 80s, they were a part of the Paisley Underground scene in uh, Los Angeles, California, or uh, yeah, in California. They were from Santa Monica, and um, the band was together for a large part of the 80s, um, and they had a deal, a record deal with Rough Trade Records. Uh, Kendra Smith left the band in, in, in 88, and Roarback knew Hope Sandoval from a Hope Sandoval was in another band at that time or had been in a band in high school, had met, the two had met, and he and Hope Sandoval started recording. It was originally going to be Opal, um, but they, uh, Roback renegotiated his deal with Rough Trade to basically start uh, anew. And instead of recording the second Opal album, they recorded the first Mazzy Star album, which was released in April of 1990 on Rough Trade. Well, we mentioned She Hangs Brightly as the name of the album. Now, the American office of Rough Trade closed a few months later in late 1990, so the band ended up signing with Capitol Records and then re-releasing She Hangs Brightly that fall on Capitol. They worked on their second album for a couple years, and so tonight that I Might See came out in September of 1993 on Capitol Records, as we mentioned, Fade Into You was the big single on that album, and it was reached number 44 on the Hot 100. Their third uh, album, Among My Swan, was released in 1996 on Capitol Records. They continued uh, to tour through 1996 and then 1997, and then went on hiatus. They did a mini tour in 2000, some one-off shows here and there. Hope Sandoval uh, formed a side project, I guess you'd say, called Hope Sandoval and the Worm Inventions, and they released a number of albums. And they reunited officially for Seasons of Your Day, which I mentioned, released this month. It was recorded actually sporadically during the hiatus. So between 1997 and 2012, the new album has been recorded in various locations, California, Norway being two prominent ones. It features contributions from the original band members who changed uh, in Mezzy Star, as well as uh, Hope Sandoval's partner, Colm. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name because he's Norwegian. It's like C and then an I with a dash over it and then an O and an S and then O with a dash over it. It's not a tilde. I don't know what it's a little whatever. I'm going to call him Klosslig. Kossig. I'm not sure what's going on with his name. It's a crazy name. Anyway, that's the history of Mazzy Star. If you have a suggestion for a band that you'd like us to check out and for an album you'd like us to review, uh, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com. Whatever request to review page, that's how you do it. So, Jay, we got some Facebook feedback. Uh, Mr. Eric J. Peterson chimed in. 
It's his great album of ringing, dusty pop rock tunes that fill the gap between the 80s Paisley Underground sound and the 90s alt-country movement. It's also got a haunted, jagged edge to it, and Hope Sandval has one of the three great, one of the great voices of the 90s. So, Jay. Uh, Eric Peterson's chimed in. Uh, that's his view of uh, She Hangs Brightly, this particular record that we're reviewing. It has a uh, very positive uh, overall review of user ratings on all music. It has a five, a four and a half out of five stars. Critic rating has a three out of five stars. So the critics and the fans slightly disagree. On so tonight, I might see they both give it four and a half out of five stars. So they're aligned there. So Jay, mm-hmm. are you more on the critic side? Do you think that this is an average album? Or are you on the fan side and say this is an above average album? What was the description that we got or feedback? He called it ringing dusty pop rock tunes. Haunting, I have a uh, haunting jagged edge. Fills the gap between the Paisley Underground and the alt country movement. I think there's some material on this record that that description pretty well. Okay. Um, particularly the first two songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good, you know, those elements that, that he mentioned are, are good um, combination of things to put together. And I think it's pretty well done, very restrained um, and simple, but still effective because of the quality of the vocal and um, sort of that, the movement that the music takes between um, sort of a dreamy pop and kind of a country tinged kind of feel. majority of the record is like that unfortunately um so by the time i i think you know right ride it on i think kind of fits that fine except that i don't think as a song it's as strong just from a songwriting standpoint it's not no melodically as interesting as the first two and um just that ride it online just gets old then you enter the middle of the record uh, with she hangs brightly and we go into uh, a jazz exploration and um, I'm not quite sure where they're going with that stuff. I mean, I guess it's kind of a doors feel. There's a, uh, you know, walking baseline and some organ in the distance and the drum kit goes from being in the first three songs, this really like focused kind of formula of tambourine mixed with, you know, snare drum and, and kick drum to kind of a full kit that's, playing like loose jazz style drumming then we go into i'm sailing which is a blues cover mm-hmm. 
it, and it doesn't really have the feel it doesn't have the country vibe she doesn't she has a good voice but does she doesn't have the voice to pull that song off it doesn't have the grit kind of that you need and the kind of guttural nature to be able to pull off you know i think an authentic traditional blues song so you know i'm sort of in the middle of the record i'm i'm they're losing me in terms of what what it is that they sort of have that they own and do well as they try to explore some other areas um you know give you give you my love and it's okay there's like a there's a guitar lead through that whole song or not through the whole song but there's a lot of extra guitar work in that song and the guitar player is not that great so you just end up with this like you know blue scales played on an electric guitar instead of really when they're working best to me it's you're focusing on the vocal and the guitar the second guitar is really just a counter melody and an accent and shouldn't be playing leads and solos in my opinion you know then you kind of get into some stuff that kind of has like um oh well be my angel which is i think is funny is that boy uh three of those four chords are are exactly the same as uh fade into you yeah it sounds like a pre like the pre fade into you yeah. demo that they ended up turning into fade into you yeah They say it's you that washes the wind and brings the night into the day. So it's pretty funny to A B those two songs, if you think of it that way, that this is a proto the proto song for Fading to You in that not only are the chords similar, but it has that slide kind of lead in it. Like all the elements are there, but when you listen to Fade Into You and you can kind of go back and forth, like that song, like everybody's in sync. You know what I mean? Everybody's fu- like totally in that super slow tempo that they play in everybody's like really just locked up and falling right into place and everything is just kind of swaying and it's just all working correctly and in this song like there's just um and be my angel there's just a lot of like it's not quite right yet like people are kind of stepping on each other and some of the instruments are her vocal is kind of meandering you know it doesn't have the focus that and the melodic um, strength that Fade You has. and So it's kind of interesting to compare those two. Um, you know, towards the end of the record, again, Taste of Blood, it kind of has like a, almost like a Zeppelin kind of acoustic sounds to it. Like jazzy kind of, or bluey, mm-hmm. weird augmented seventh or whatever they are chords. It's kind of sparse and, and it just doesn't really ever come together in anything memorable. Um, Ghost Highway is kind of cool in that it does um, introduce this heavier riff and a little bit different sound for the band. But again, the song isn't that good. So just from a songwriting standpoint, I don't know. I just felt like it was uh, 
kind of like a high school band trying to write a door song. Like it didn't quite didn't quite come together for me. And then the the last two I think are kind of in the vein of the first two and the, the first couple of songs on the record, but just not. They don't have the hooks. They don't have. They're just not as tight from a pop standpoint, and uh, don't quite work as well for me either. So I get where the, that's going, and I like that description of the record, but I don't hear it that much on here. That's unfortunately my my alone on that. You are and you aren't. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in this record because I think it's like you mentioned. It starts out pretty strong, um, and I actually liked the the sort of jazziness of She Hangs Brightly. Like you mentioned, it has a kind of a Doors feel to it, and I can I can understand what they were trying to do with that. Unfortunately, the record starts to meander, and, and I think where it really meanders is her vocal becomes pretty blasé in parts where it doesn't even sound like she really put much into the melody or, or writing much of the lyrics. Uh, and when her vocal is on top of it, I mean, when I mean that, like when her, her vocal is up front and she's making choices, whether, you know, in be my angel, which we mentioned sounds like fade into you. She almost gets into like speaking in parts of the song. Um, in like the chorus parts, it's not just a straight, you know, she's not just singing where mm-hmm. she almost is like, she slows it down and she's almost like talking and it's, it's a cool way to do it. It's, it's got this, like he mentioned that all country feel it has this real like country kind of aspect to it, which I like, I don't know if you notice this just sort of aside, there's like an arpeggio guitar part at the end of that song. And it, I swear to God, I heard it and I was like, this sounds like nice dream by Radiohead. Like it is almost the exact same arpeggio that they play in in that song. Mm. I'm guessing you didn't pick it. It's only for like two or three measures at the end of the song, which is kind of weird. But but when like free, there's almost like her melody is so laid back and and her vocal is so laid back that it's like it's hard to really grasp anything that's going mm-hmm. on in that song. Whereas even the songs where you know the music's not may, may not necessarily be stellar. Uh, at least when she puts her vocal out there and tries to do something with the with the way she phrases things or or the cadence of her delivery, I at least appreciate that from you know a, a willingness to take some chances standpoint. Uh, I you mentioned about I'm sailing being a, a blues cover. Track two, Blue Flower, is also a cover. It's really? a band. It's a band called Slap Happy oh. from they were a '70s band, a really obscure '70s band. But yeah, that's a that's a cover. It's it sounded a lot to me like the music sounded like it was gonna go into like Sweet Jane by the Velvet yeah. Underground. Yeah, but I kind of dug that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's got that feel to it, and it's it's cool. But I'm disappointed they didn't write it. Yeah, to me this is if all I know is Fade Into You, which like you mentioned, like that that's a band working on all cylinders together on one song, and like hitting their mark. This is an interesting build up to that. I haven't mm-hmm. listened to so I to my so tonight I might see all the way through, so I can't say what the rest of the record sounds like. But just to up to that song, I can see where the bits and pieces are, where they actually come together on that song and write mm-hmm. a really interesting sort of haunting, pop, simple pop song. Yep. Unfortunately, on this record, you know, there's always something that's a little bit off about each song whether it's like 
a really bad guitar tone or mm. the or things aren't really tight and they're not loose in a good way. They're loose in like they're stepping on each other's beats. Yep. Those are the things that are a little bit troublesome. I like this as background music. I can put it on and chill and, and just have this on and not really care. But yeah. I don't necessarily want to like sit down and listen to this record. Well, it's it's deceptively hard to play music this slow and this sparse and do it well. If you play slower, then it makes it easier. Yes, you can technically play it, but it, it doesn't sound good as a band. You know, it's very difficult to fill all that space out and like you said, not be patient and not step on each other. And it's, it's, it's actually kind of a, you know, it's something that you got to work really hard to get to. So this sounds like, you know, they kind of got a, an idea, but they don't quite get there to the next record on how to pull all that off and get it to sync up and have it all work. Cause for the most part, I think the formula is the same same mix of instruments and same idea just executed better um and the materials better but uh i give i you know you kind of mentioned like giving them credit for trying new things and i've mentioned that too in terms of ghost highway but this is one of those bands where i think it's 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 better if they don't (laughs) you know right in a weird way it's just kind of like uh when they're when it's working, it's so distinctive and and ownable that just do that, you know, and don't. And when and when they do push in other directions, that's where they start to expose their limitations, mm-hmm. and it makes me think, why do why even bother doing that? I mean, it might be fun, but um, in terms of like making music that's effective and you know connects with people, you don't necessarily need to do that. You know, you can just be you and write an album of just you. Um, even if that's not very wide of a range, there's still enough chords and melodies and stuff that you should be able to, you know, write a couple albums worth of material in that sound. Yeah, because sometimes when you sound like you're trying to step out of your comfort zone, it sounds like you're trying to step out of your comfort zone rather mm-hmm. than it's a natural progression and it's something that like, oh, I didn't I didn't think this band had this in them, but mm-hmm. wow, this is really interesting. Whereas I don't really ever want her to be over like eighty beats per minute. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm I'm perfectly happy with her vocal at a pretty steady tempo or slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you know, they they fall into a pretty predictable acoustic guitar, some some drumming. I'll give them a a, a credit on a song i don't really necessarily love the whole song but taste of blood they do some interesting things with dynamics in that song which is hard to believe that there's any like significant <laughs> dynamics going on in this record yeah. but about ha- like halfway through the song like this acoustic guitar comes in with these really loud strums mm-hmm. and then a beat comes in that's sort of counterintuitive to what the song has been it's sort of been a shuffle yeah. and then this beat just comes in on like pounds on the one and just stays in this like slow halftime beat, yep. sort of opposite the show. That's a really kind of cool and interesting thing that they did. And they took a chance there, but they didn't really step outside of what you would expect them. It's not like 
somebody came and started doing a finger tapping guitar solo on top of it. Like they no. they worked within the sound that they have and made it put an interesting twist on it that was unexpected but yet completely natural sounding. Yeah, it doesn't take much uh, to when, you, when you're dealing with music that's this um, simple, you know, to, to add an element to the, uh, to, to create your idea is not very hard. It's almost like you have to be even really restrained in terms of how you do that because if you go too far, um, then it just sticks out like a sore thumb. So I think about you know a song like uh, "Ride It On." So the songs up till that song. Uh, contain a tambourine but in that song the tambourine actually goes to double time when they get to the chorus that's enough variation where you're like oh that's a little different mm-hmm. but, you know what I mean but it's so restrained like it, it works whereas like say Ghost Highway where they introduce the heavy guitar sound it's it's like from another planet you know what I mean it just sticks out so much on the record that it just not that it sounds bad it just kind of doesn't quite fit um, and then right. The last song they introduce cello, but or, or I don't know if it's cello or violin. It's some string instrument, but it's kind of done tentatively. Like they weren't quite sure how to use it, so it's like kind of there, and then it they try to build it a little bit as the song goes, but it just doesn't quite sound like it's integral to the song. It sort of just sounds like it was added later, or they weren't quite sure if it should be there or not. It just sounds tentative overall. But again, it's it's the only time you hear that instrument on the record. So as soon as it comes in, right. it just it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and they do a better job of integrating the integrating the the organ and keyboard stuff subtly than throwing in like the things that you mentioned that don't necessarily um, work as well. The keyboard shifting around is is actually a really again it's a nice. It's a nice way to create some variety without it being in your face. So it, they can shift kind of between piano or organ or different organ sounds, and it's fine. You know what I mean? And the organ creates a natural sort of element of drama yeah. that a band like this can definitely utilize with her vocal and her vocal being washed in or in reverb and stuff like that. That. Right. That the using an organ is like sort of perfect for them. In terms of you know, this band reminded me a lot of the Sunday's record uh, that we did with uh, Frank Anthony Polito. Yep. There's a there's a darkness to this band at times. Uh, that haunting element because of her voice having a different uh, texture. And if you listen to the, the you know those two bands, and then there's maybe like. I don't know, a few other bands from the 90s. I guess you'd say like Cowboy Junkies or Portishead that we're mm-hmm. not afraid to play slow. Mm-hmm. I don't really hear that as much anymore. It seems like that was a very 90s thing to have a female-fronted, sort of slow, slightly country-influenced, a little bit of uh, dreamy aspect mm-hmm. to them. Why do you think that was that that, mm. that the '90s were? Isn't Lana Del Rey like that? No, she's kind of like sort of doing like a faux. Uh, I I I think of her as doing like a faux Nancy Sinatra meets hip hop sort of thing. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I guess there was a bit of like um, a carryover of that melancholy 
80s pop, you know, sort of alternative pop stuff that maybe that, you know, was the beginning thread of it. I guess the country piece is what's interesting to me because I almost think of this band as almost being for some reason like more British than American hmm. or not American for some reason. I think because of the reverb in that just dark kind of somber but still with a pop kind of bit of a, a core to them. Mm-hmm. Um, now when I listen to this record when the country parts come out that kind of shifts it for me. So I think that's the part of it that it was most um, interesting. I think some of the other bands that you mentioned are like Portishead was sort of a had an, had an experimental aspect to it, right? Because they were kind of trip hop. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess you could say like it. It could be like a also fallout of um, shoegaze. You know, if you're if mm-hmm. you're into that kind of thing, but you don't like the distortion, like what are you left with? Um, I guess you can make the argument something like this. You know, I think you can make the argument that you know the Sundays could be potentially kind of a influenced by the Smiths or the Cure or that kind of thing, and but taking it in a little bit more, slightly more pop or you know oriented direction. So I, I don't know. To me, that's maybe where the 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 seeds of it come from, and then it just. Uh, there hasn't been anything like that to influence anybody recently, you know? So that's why no. I think you probably don't see it see it anymore. Maybe some of our listeners can chime in about that particular subject. So on our scale, Jay, uh, were the album better EP decent single? <clears throat> where are you where do you stand? I think I could go with an EP. I could probably get three or four songs off here. I'm in the I'm in the same boat. I'm at like three to four songs that <clears throat> I'd want to. I'd want to pluck out and keep. Uh, if the if this if it was a uh, you know a lazy Sunday morning and this got thrown into uh, the rotation, I would probably not turn it off. It's not going to be my first choice of uh, records to play. It'd probably be uh, towards the bottom in terms of full albums. But uh, yeah, there's there's three or four tunes worth hanging on to. So that's we're in agreement on this record. Uh, Got to find something to disagree on uh, soon. I, I got a feeling we might come up with a record soon that we're going to disagree on. <laughs> Not going to give it away, but there's something coming up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if uh, you agree or disagree, feel free to chime in with some feedback at our various social media outlets. And of course, if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and feel free to give us some positive feedback. That's it for Jay. I'm Tim. That's our review of Massey Stars. She hangs brightly. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.